Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all of the other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. Today, we have our special Dungeon Master's Block, a very Dungeon Master's Block Christmas number four for you guys. Crazy. We're super super jolly uh, about this right now yes i am not very tired and drinking lots of red bull christmas themed <laughs> red bull i sprinkled some cinnamon in there and we're good to go is it cranberry christmas red yep. bull oh that sounds awful but <laughs> oh. i think it's available in stores near you it is absolutely available i didn't just make that okay. up so neil before we jump into what now has become a christmas tradition for us going through the 12 questions of christmas which i believe started with our second episode of a very dmb christmas the first one was a bunch of storytelling but now it has become a true tradition but before we do that neil i believe that we have some stitcher five star reviews we do so the first one comes from the user plus five Vorpal Glaive. They've already got me. Everything from here is just a bonus. And they gave a five-star review entitled, Not Listening is Like Rolling a D20 of Only Once. That's, that's a bad Ooh. thing. Better listen. But a good title. <laughs> I've been listening to the podcast for a long time now, and I have finally caught up. The only bad part of this podcast is that it is almost impossible to incorporate all of the great ideas. I love the world building and the discussion on how to make every player's table experience a great one. These guys have created a great community for sharing wonderful ideas and have worked with some of the best people in the business. I hope to still be listening years from now. Keep up the great work. Well, you keep up the great names and titles of all of your reviews. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Plus five, Vorpal Glaive. And up next, we have also from Stitcher, Deuced, and Deuced entitles his best podcast out there. About a year ago, I finally took the plunge into Dungeons and & Dragons and haven't looked back. Yes, never look back. <laughs> I am playing in two games and DMing one, and this podcast is the best for getting not only ideas for DMing, but also new and interesting ways to play your character and make it easier for your DM to create a living story. I listen when I am at work and it makes the time fly. When I first started DMing, I looked for good podcasts to listen to and most of them were old and were not published often. These guys push out so much content, it's unbelievable, but it is also super well done and creative. Keep on dungeon mastering. Yes. Uh, thanks so much, Deuced, and you as well. Keep on dungeon mastering. But with all of that out of the way, Let's head to the Christmas meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The plate meat's back on the menu, boys. Well, it's that time of year again. Uh, we have uh, the 12 questions of Christmas for our episode today. Neil, I'm glad that you could join me as we kind of take a look back at the past year, take a look ahead, and just discuss some of our favorite moments, some of the things that stuck out to us this year. So, Neil, our first question, uh, as it is always, is what was your favorite episode from the Dungeon Master's Block in 2017? So, first I'll preface with, one, I feel like these episodes are the hardest ones to do in terms of like 
your favorite? Like just answering these questions are like more difficult than any outline that we send to each other. Oh, yeah. And I think we're starting with the most difficult question of what is our favorite episode? Hmm. Because I feel like both of us have the opportunity to be you know, heavily invested because we're in the episode, but also have the chance to be fans of our own content from yeah. time to time because there are episodes that we're not in. So I chose yeah. one, then I chose a range of six. So <laughs> good. <laughs> we're starting it off yep. focused and strong. <laughs> so my favorite one was actually when we had Mike Merles on because we had Mike hmm. Merles on and he's the lead yeah. designer of Dungeons and Dragons. And that was just amazing. And also the mega mega dungeon topic was near and dear to my heart. That's what I've been running for a couple of years now. So for me, that's the one that really stuck out to like bounce ideas off of him and do all of that. And especially to have him be, come back on and be so invested in the gymnastics that he did really just blew me away. Oh, he was so invested. Like he, he had read all the forum posts, knew our users, like had it up when he was doing the interview. It just absolutely blew me away. So that sticks out as my favorite. But that whole range around 120 was really, really good with some great guests hmm. because we had Chris Lindsay in there as well. And it started out with 114 where we had Matt Colville come in. So kind of that range of episodes was a really good run. Yeah, yeah. Good episode, good guests, good topics. Yeah, yeah this was hard for me too. And I definitely looked at the Mike Merles episode as one of my f favorites that was up there. I definitely looked at the Matthew Colville one, especially even just because that topic of home bases. Yeah. I love that topic. But the one that I actually landed on was one of the first episodes, I believe, of the year that got released. And this was the episode 110, Tales from Munchkinland, Ooh, yeah. uh, where I was able to kind of sit down with uh, hashtag Magic Mark and talk to him just about Munchkin playstyle, Min-Max playstyle. Most of you have probably heard the episode if you're listening to our Christmas episode. <laughs> but it was really cool for a number of reasons. One, it was great that Mark was so on board to talk about it. Because there, if you listen to the episode, there were definitely some difficult things that were discussed. And it you could tell, I believe, from listening that it was... 100% just real, real discussion, real problems that, you know, me and Mark and our playgroup had worked out throughout the years and had come out better because of it. And second, it was also one of my favorites because of the response that we had gotten from 100%, it. I mean, it's yeah. it's always nice when you and me like we we aren't on an episode like together and we interact like there'll be like times where I'll text you and I'll just say, hey, Neil, listen to that episode. It was fantastic. Like, Oh, such a good episode. And you did that for this episode. You were, I think, one of the first ones to comment and you just kind of sent me a text or something. It was like, dude, that episode was really good. Yeah. Which was really great to hear. But even more so, we had a bunch of our listeners write in for that one, whether they like kind of were in the DM seat and were relating with how I was feeling when we were discussing past things or how Mark was feeling. Just the response to that episode was extremely positive. So that to me, if I had to pick, that was probably my favorite episode out of 2017. Yeah, the community engagement that happened after that one was, sta it was staggering. But it's like you said, it came from such a real place of Mark being open and willing to talk about, the, like you said, that difficult time in the group's history and figuring that out and being better at the end of it. Let's go on to number two. Uh, what was your favorite off-air moment in 2017? 
peeking behind the curtain. Oh, no. It, it's not related to anything. <laughs> I just talk about random stuff. Ah, so for me, it would be a catacomb. It's, there's hmm. so much of us getting together, and it's really one of the only times that we do it. But then the amount at which it happened, this a catacomb, was ridiculous. We took two cars. We did. Yeah, like to even start the trip, we had to take two cars. Well, I feel like it even goes further from that because first off, we ha- we're we all meeting in Michigan, but yep. you're flying in from California. I had two of my friends. Uh, one was John, who is now a host, yep. uh, come in from New York. So we're just like bringing all these people together to Michigan. And then, yeah, we're taking two cars to a catacomb. Well, and then Ryan, our new webmaster. He met us there, yep. And then Andrew, who's the host and creator of We're So Bad at Adventuring, drove up from Florida. Yep. And then, I mean, and that's just us. And then you have so many other podcasters that we've interacted with. And getting to meet them face-to-face is, there's something different about it. And it's great to have that connection and interaction. So, I yeah, I really, really enjoyed a catacomb because of how many people were there. Yeah, a catacomb was fantastic. Interacting with other podcasters. I mean, we had done that the previous year. The RPG Academy, they're all awesome. Interacting with some of the people that we didn't get to last year. It was amazing hanging out with James Intercasso and Rudy Basso from the Don't Split the Pods. I've always loved James, but now I got to meet him in person, which was like 10 times even better than just podcasting with him and getting to meet Rudy for the first time. And then my favorite was probably just hanging out with uh, some of our listeners who were there, like yep. Andy and Jared and Dan. It was just a great, great time. But the moment that I actually picked off air wasn't a catacon. Although <gasps> if I was to be, give my true answer, it would probably be a catacon because <laughs> it was just so good. But I'll give the answer that I wrote down. So there was this moment we had Greg Tito on the show, which was great. And that kind of started snowballing that we were able to have Chris Lindsay on and we were able to have Mike Merles on. But there was this moment that Greg Tito tweeted after he had been on our show. Oh, listening to the Dungeon Masters block this morning. I don't even remember what episode it was, but he just had like this couple of tweets about listening to our show and that was really cool for me. I remember tweeting tweeting to you about it, and it was just this cool. Because, I mean, these guys are making Dungeons & Dragons. And so it was just a uplifting moment to be like, hey, you guys like the stuff that we are making, the content that we're putting out there. So that, to me, was an affirming and awesome off-air moment. I like it. Number three, what was your favorite moment out of your campaign or your adventures in 2017 you're still doing the emerald spire yes yes and i'm going to say this is not going to sound good but i'm going to Uh get there to why it's my favorite moment um so i had a very large group for a very long time what is large so for me it was seven consistently and so i had to you know kind of redo how everything worked in the dungeon like and finding the happy medium of adding some monsters, but not too many monsters, because if they all get too much experience, then it's just going to eventually catch <laughs> up and not work. It slowly got to around four, but I hadn't really readjusted things the way that I should have. So I redu- <laughs> I reduced the monsters, but then those four weren't at the level that they should have been. So my favorite moment was when they did a fantastic job about figuring out that they were well 
well over their heads and immediately did everything Mm -hmm. required. And it was such a cool moment of them, like, just like by the skin of their teeth, getting out of it and ending up not losing anyone. Because (laughs) so what had happened was um, a dark Naga came out and in round one, took down like their biggest character and almost took down a second character. Oh gosh. And so then they used like all their resources immediately and got out of there. And I was like, that was really cool because it worked out so well, you know, because it could have been really dumb and been like a crappy TPK all of a sudden. And then I would have felt real bad because it would have totally been my own fault. But yeah, they figured it out and they, are trying to figure out what to do next. Nice. I feel like those moments are always great for the entire group. The moment where your characters come so close to death, but they make it out. <laughs> like, it's always this triumphant, like, oh my gosh, we almost died tonight. Like, you you, you walk away from a table playing a game where you're sitting down most of the time, and yet the players walk away from that experience just like huffing and puffing like oh, we lived we did yeah. <laughs> their faces were priceless <laughs> <laughs> my favorite moment comes from the campaign that i'm currently running the call of a spirit charmer which the story times are available on our patreon and there is in the story we begin the campaign with all the characters are brothers And their father, when some of them, when all of them are younger, so we kind of skip eight years into the future, the first session. So we were eight years in the past when we began. And so some of the kids, some of the players were actually like four years old or whatever. And there's this moment where their farm gets attacked and their father seemingly dies. It's not a confirmed death, but... They see their father in the distance get knocked off of his mount and a big giant creature brings down a club on the ground where he had fallen. The players and the characters are trying like are all at odds of like what happened to dad. It's been eight years now, like and most of them are kind of at the point where they think that they're that he's dead. Most some of them think that he's still alive and still hold that hope. But they're also wondering if he is alive. Why is he not come to find us. The dangerous part of this is this is coming out before the story times that are centered around this. So I'm not going to give any spoilers. But what I will say is we got to the point in the campaign where the truth of this was revealed. And there was this reveal around this NPC that all the players have obviously a history with. And it was just very cool to see when that when that reveal was finally dropped and as a, as other DMS are listening, I'm sure they know this feeling when you're holding on to a secret for a long time and you finally get to drop it. Like you're hoping that you can do it justice. And it was a moment that I feel like the justice was done and all the players reacted and the characters reacted. And it was just this cool, like, okay, there you go. Now you guys know the truth. And so whether he's dead alive or whatever, I'll let that uh, be revealed in story time. But it was definitely a cool moment uh, out of my campaign that I got to run this year. That is awesome. 
and you bring up the thing that is most beneficial in my mind for our forums is I can talk to someone else yes. <laughs> about the crazy things that are in my head that I don't get. You know, for the most part, the people that you would most want to tell are the people you don't get to tell in, in your players. Yep. So then having other DMs to just it literally just to vent to about the stuff you're holding secret is probably one of the coolest things about the forums. Vent to and bounce ideas off. Oh, of, yeah. Totally. And have them bounce ideas back because in doing that you can make that you might have only a small part of an idea and be like I really want to do this but I'm not sure how it works into everything else and by talking with other people who are not going to be having that revealed to them in the game it allows you to kind of brainstorm and come up with something that can be magnificent together all right Neil question number four what was the coolest RPG item, it can be in or out of game, that you received during 2017? So I actually got it just a couple days ago. Oh. And I started backing someone on Patreon. It is Michael Mordor. He does, uh, he does some really, really good painting and miniature work and base and all this stuff. And so I backed at a level where I choose a mini each month, but it also puts you into these monthly draws. And literally the first month I was a Patreon backer, I got a gigantic earth elemental from him. (laughs) It's massive and it is so well done and I can't wait to try and kill my players with it. But, (laughs) but (laughs) of course, yeah. So I have it in hand now and you know, it's hard to tell, like you're seeing these great pictures online. What will it look like? And it is as stunning in person as it is in the pictures that he he has hmm. on his Twitter feed. So that is by far and away the coolest thing. I, I already have it displayed like your, the minis behind you. I immediately knew where it was going to go <laughs> when I got it. And so it is prominently displayed. And like I said, hopefully it will um, display some players all over the dungeon. Who knows? <laughs> you will, when this episode comes out, you'll have to tweet a picture of that and we'll retweet okay. it through the Dungeon Masters block so that all of our listeners who are listening right now can see that. For me, It's a toss-up between two things. One of the things that through this podcast I've kind of made a goal of is I try to help the people who we have on here and support them by sometimes buying what their products are and to kind of have something to hold on to for after I'm done with podcasting, I've started a signed books collection. So this year, one of the cool books that I was able to add uh, to my shelf was from Dan Marshall. He was on a couple episodes ago. Yes. The episode on Monster Harvest. I was able to buy from him the Creature Components book and get oh, it signed awesome. by him. And it is a great book. And I, I know, Neil, so you were all good. excited about the Tomb of Beasts one that's coming oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a cool book to add to my signed book collection. And then beyond that, at a Catacon, I finally made a purchase that I've been meaning to purchase for a long time. I bought the official D&D spellbook cards for the Arcane. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, these amazing cards for every wizard spell and sorcerer spell in the 5e player's handbook. And it is just so nice. I was able to have a player play a wizard for the first time playing D&D. It made it so much easier to go, here, find your spells in here, and then you'll have a quick reference for all of them. But it's also nice as a dungeon master. Running wizards is like annoying as a dungeon master. I don't want to constantly be 
constantly be flipping through the spell book. So if I can just pre-pick some spells ahead of time and have these cards in front of me, it's a great purchase. Well worth it, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I love those cards because of the versatility of they help me as a player. They help me as a dungeon master, as NPCs, or they help me as a dungeon master to help my players. Oh, yeah. Be they the ones consistently at my tables or especially a con game of here's a pre-gen, which um, going back to a catacon, Andrew Bleeker, one of our longtime listeners, Friar Took, and that's what he had with his pre-gen arcane casters. Here's your character sheet and here's the spell cards attached. And it's like, this is amazing because that's, I mean, because that. That'll hold up a con game for like the next hour. Hold on. Hold on. I'm choosing my spells. <laughs> yes. All right. Number five. What 2017 movie was the greatest inspiration for a D&D campaign? So I want to place the caveat on this question. Okay. That this, It is not required that this be a good movie. That's true. And do not That's very true. take my choices as if I feel that these are good movies. <laughs> I can't wait movies. for this answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I have two, and I want to focus on my previous statement, and then I will tell you. Do not forget what I said. <laughs> yes, The Great Wall. Okay, I am totally agreeing. And Kong Skull Island. Hmm. I think do really well, and because both are even classified as monster movies. So I think they both do really well to show how you could have the framework or used to be inspiration for a D&D campaign that you would run. Hmm. So I think that's a really good one. And another really good one that I would use that I do actually like and think is a good movie would be Logan because hmm. of that travel aspect that is so inherent in D&D campaigns and that they have this goal and all the struggles that he has to go through to get through these goals and – so I think that that's another really good one to see as a framework of an adventure, really. Because if you think about it, like that's what they went on during that movie. No, and I, I 100% agree with you. I remember watching The Wall specifically and being sitting there and going, this is an awful movie, but thinking the exact same thing. I believe I even said it on an episode at some point, just being like, this would make a great uh -huh. D&D campaign. Even from like the first scenes of like yeah. the introduction of – the monsters. Even though it's a bad movie, there are some really ingenious uses of magic and uses of tools and weaponry in that movie that for somebody running a D&D campaign are amazing. And I almost say that a bad movie is better for inspiration a lot of times because, of course, having it be new, there's going to be a lot of people who see it. But give it a couple years and nobody's going to care about the Great Wall anymore. And so now you have inspiration that if you drop it in game, most players will not go, you took that from that movie, The Great Wall, which is an amazing movie and everybody's seen 3,000 times. Well, the other thing is that because it's not, you know, it doesn't have that critical acclaim and all of those other things is you probably don't have the emotional attachment, nor would your players. So then yes. there's not like this, you know, like I go rip everything out of Lord of the Rings. There's an element of Phil will hunt me down and kill me. And <laughs> And so would Morgan and a lot of people that we have guests on here. But the Tolkien professor. Yeah. The, the emotional attachment that comes to with that material, most people are not going to have. 
with the Great Wall. So the one that I um, picked out, it was hard to choose. There were a lot of really great movies uh, in 2017 that would be great for this. Obviously, Thor Ragnarok would yep. be have lots of ins- inspiration. Justice League uh, has, I think, a lot of good stuff that you could use. One of possibly my favorite movies uh, from 2017, War for the Planet of the Apes, was brilliant and a lot, a lot of great storytelling inspiration there. But the movie that I picked is a movie that wasn't critically well received, even though I will say I really enjoyed it. The Dark Tower. Okay. Really enjoyed it. But like, I thought that movie has a ton of great inspiration just to start off with the traveling to different worlds the multiverse kind of theory and having that be part of a campaign that's always appealed to me i really liked the the gunslinger in the movie and the gunslingers in the movie their order they were kind of this gun wielding paladins and they had this awesome oath to go along with it and i've really become a fan of fantasy stories with guns. I just think that they're very cool. Uh, The villain is definitely a big, bad, evil villain for sure. And then there's also this element. They travel to different worlds and you start to see worlds that now have been like long abandoned. So they're going through this one world and there's like a old carnival that's there, but it's just the forest has overtaken it. And that's where this big battle takes place with this monster. But I love the idea of going to like ruins of different places, especially if it's in a different world and getting to be like, wow, what kind of civilizations was here? So I thought that movie had a lot of great inspiration for a D&D campaign. Number six, what was the greatest lesson from RPGs that you learned over the past year? So mine's pretty, it's honestly, it's very straightforward, is to just remain confident in my own abilities, regardless of whatever misgivings mm-hmm. about my skills I may have. And you know, we've said it probably countless times before, but for whatever reason, we often as DMs remain our worst critics. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm just trying to constantly remind myself that, you know, if by nothing else, by pure attrition, I should have the skills to be able to do this <laughs> effectively. So just really taking that to heart and, um, yeah, just moving forward and be like, always just focusing on doing the best I can kind of thing. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said there too, that when, as a DM, knowing that when you sit down and you play with other DMs, Try to keep that in mind. And when something cool is done by the DM, try to affirm that so that they can kind of relax a little bit in their constant criticizing of themselves. So for me, the thing that I started to learn is the difficulty in trying to make an RPG system do something that it's not exactly supposed to do. So kind of heading back to uh, the campaign I'm running now, Uh, I've created a homebrew class that can charm monsters of any like challenge rating. Basically this, I'll just say it, it's a D&D version of Pokemon. You can control up to one to three, depending on your level, monsters at a time. And then there's you go and do battle with them. And the class itself makes it so that you as the player are really squishy and beyond being able to control the monsters. That's your specialty. There's not much else you can do. 
And I've placed it in a setting where it's a world where those are the only type of magic users. So every player in this campaign is this type of class. And so I'm doing something that the game isn't set out to do. I'm letting players control monsters and fight with them. And it is there have been countless times where my players have gone, hey, just trying to wonder, how does this work in this way? How do we do this? How do we do that? It's been interesting to see how many times, still having a blast with it, still my players love it, and basically I just come to the point where I just make judgment calls like as they come and just say, you know what, well, let's talk about it and let's make the best judgment call that we can. But it is diff- if it is definitely interesting to see when you try to make an RPG system do something that it's not supposed to, there might be some problems that come along with it. All right, number seven. What other great RPGs do you pl- did you play in 2017 besides Dungeons & Dragons? The one that goes straight to the top of the list. And if you are on our Patreon, you can hear Rich Howard and I break down our time at Gen Con where we gush a lot about a Blue Planet game that we played with Jeff Barber, the creator of the system, and just how absolutely ridiculous that session was. Honestly, it's one of the best sessions I've ever played throughout my entire gaming career. I say that because I was so invested and so was everyone else. And in that, I was so into character that I didn't actually make a joke for four hours straight. Um, And not even a conscious decision, just so invested right out the gate that that's just not what I did. So it was absolutely amazing. Definitely check out blue planet, blue planet by Jeff Barber. The other one was masks, which is essentially like a superhero game uh, based on powered by the apocalypse. And I actually ran that a couple times now. So that was very interesting because of how much of a stretch it was because initiative doesn't work. And that was the biggest thing for me that I couldn't let go from my like 20 years of D and D is just like, well, who's next? It should just be, (laughs) it's an order and we have numbers to (laughs) designate. And so, because like even, so then I like tried to translate it to like star Wars fantasy flight of PC and PC, but that's not true either. It's, just PCs going when they think they should go and me interacting and saying, this is what happens next kind of thing. And hmm. so it was really, it was really a good stretch to kind of get out of that D and D thinking to then also try and then reapply it back. So those are the two that really stand out for me. So the one that stuck out in my mind, I think normally I go to the times where I play on GM showcase because that's the big time I get to play different RPGs. But the one that stood out in my mind was a game that you actually played with me at a catacon entitled NPCs. And this was a new game, a game that was created by our friend Derek. And we will hopefully be showcasing that on possibly a future episode of the GM showcase uh, in the future. And that will be coming out uh, for people to get on drive through RPG in the future as well. But it's this game that's fantastic because all the players, they get to play as the NPCs of a role-playing game. Whereas the GM is playing 
the annoying PCs who come in and trying to ruin the lives of all the poor NPCs who just wanted to do their job or just wanted to give the quest or just want and and their lives are ruined because of the pesky PCs. And it was so much fun, especially when we got to the point where we understood in this game that because we were playing the NPCs that collectively all six of us were actually the same person because we were actually all the dungeon master role playing these NPCs separately. So we started to have discussions as the dungeon master talking to himself and it was just, oh, it was so much fun. Uh, a great game. Once that comes out, we'll be sure to tweet about it through our, our Twitter so that everybody can check that out. And that immediately does the exact same thing that Masks did for me with like kind of breaking that mold of what initiative means and how structured play goes. You know, Being able to see how other people approach NPCs together and then being able to make better NPCs through that play. Um, okay, question number eight. What classic Christmas story or element would you like to see in a D&D game? This is one that gets harder every year. Yeah, so I, I've blindly answered it with no idea if we've said it before, <laughs> but I like the idea of families coming together for the holiday. No, you took mine! Really? Okay, then let's talk about it really? together. <laughs> let's talk about it together. Why do you like that idea? <laughs> Just because it's it's the one of the uncommon things in most games is involving the family directly, mm-hmm. except for the 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 thing that every DM does all the time is kill your family off at the beginning of the story. True. the The other thing I thought would be <laughs> a good inspiration, especially around this time, is to watch those classic Christmas episodes of like your favorite sitcoms mm-hmm. and use those as a way to corn up your game. Yeah. Well. And, well. No. I mean, just in that, like, so and so doesn't have anywhere to go. So, like, which mm-hmm. of your players is that kind of the story behind them, or you know, and, and the other player who has like the massive family but hates going. You know, and, and like getting to play up even some of the emotional times that surround the holidays because, you know, not every, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's the world we live in. Not everybody enjoys this time because of what ends up yep. happening during the holidays. And some people think it's the greatest time of the year and figuring out what, what it, <laughs> that the time most means. wonderful. Yeah. The most. <laughs> Perfect. The, what that time means to your players and having them interact with that, I think is be a ton of fun. But why do you like the idea? No, I mean, you shared a lot of things that resonated with me as well. I think that it's, it's a time that you can kind of, and obviously we're playing, we're talking about fantasy worlds. So, I mean, there are fantasy worlds like Narnia that have Christmas in them, but you can have other Christmas like holidays come into play that it's it's a time where you get together with family. And so it opens the doors to get deeper into the characters and not only to get deeper into the characters and the role playing, but I feel like it opens the doors for characters to bond closer together. Like you said, who's the who's the character that doesn't have a home to go back to? Well, that just opens the doors for one of the other players to invite them to come with them back to their family, which can strengthen that bond so much. But one of the things that I really liked about it, too, was the idea of like the pilgrimage home from wherever you are. And you may reach a point where, you know what, maybe that ends up in your game going, we aren't going to make it home 
for so whatever holiday this is, there's no way we can make it back in time. So they have to make do where they're at. And maybe as a group, they have a family-esque dinner or celebration with the other PCs, which in itself can be great. But I like the idea of, yes, your group, your PCs are traveling home, whether they travel home separately or travel home altogether because their home is in the same village or whatever. The pilgrimage home and getting home, taking a break from the journey is a cool idea that can definitely bring about some awesome role playing opportunities. So a lot a lot of the same of what you kind of shared. But I think it's I think that's definitely an element that I would like to use in my games. All right. Number nine. What was your favorite monster that you got to run in 2017? I will read the description as it is written for the monster, and then we will talk about it. Okay. The soft scrape of bone reveals the long, sinuous skeleton of a large snake. This is so Christmassy. (laughs) Its head, a humanoid skull with a snake's jaws. And it is the Necrophidius. What's interesting is that it's also not a – it's not undead. It's a construct. And Mm. the way it was set up in the dungeon is that because it has fire resistance, it's actually hiding underneath like a big campfire so that when the players get close, it like pops up and is just like covered in flame. And it's just this (laughs) terrifying snake creature. Uh, And I ended up finding a really good miniature that was really close to it when we were at Gen Con, like right Mm. before the session that I was going to reveal it. So I was really happy to like have the you know get to play that cool monster as well as have a miniature that looked super creepy that's awesome for me i kind of cheated on this one uh because i'm not answering about a monster that i got to run but it was a monster that i got to run into and Uh, this is another catacon story and you were there as well neil yes so while at a catacon we had a game run by one of our listeners uh dan he ran a game that he took magic the gathering and he brought that into dungeons and dragons hey yeah, we we saw that game we were like we have to play in this game so we got to play in this game and it was fantastic he took one of the greatest Magic the Gathering creatures of sapperlings, and he created these big plant-like creatures that every so often they spewed out more sapperlings that fought us. In fact, he used this awesome thing that I was like, I'm definitely using something like that in my games. He brought like five minute to a minute hourglasses. He put them down on the table and as players were watching them go down and we knew once it reached that it was empty, those plants would explode into a whole bunch of sapperlings. So we had we had to like race the clock literally to try and stop these sapperlings from spreading. But my favorite creature that we fought was he had this ginormous plant monster come at us. And the reason it was my favorite monster that we got to fight was he didn't have a mini big enough for it. So he literally took a cardboard box for a rice cooker (laughs) and Uh he put it on the table and he had taken a marker and like scribbled green on it, <laughs> but it best. literally still said rice cooker <laughs> on it. 
And it was just this hilarious, hilarious moment of, and then this giant monster comes, and all of us were like, no, the dreaded rice cooker. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, that that game was a lot of fun for sure. So that was definitely my favorite monster that I got to fight in 2017. Number 10, what was your favorite NPC that you got to run in 2017? So... Again, of course, my home game is name was Clarkosh, and he essentially had been running the top portion or you know top like half of the dungeon. So they had finally gotten to him, heard all about him, knew they were going to fight him because you know the the level was very much themed towards him, and then getting to have that classic big bad scenario, the monologuing everything, and so it was it was just really fun because it was so classic of. A humanoid humanoid style bad guy classic monologuing and hmm. now gone so yeah it was i i think that's what just made me enjoy it so much was because it was so classic um and getting to do that for for and against my players was a lot of fun my favorite npc that i got to play this past year was a dwarf his last name was deep mittens uh and we call him papa deep mittens because Playing with a group of PCs that they are young, um, they are teenagers, I had the opportunity to have one of them get put into basically what is the social services part of my government, and he got adopted by these dwarf parents, uh, one of which was Papa Deepman's, and it was a fun time getting to play an adoptive father uh, to one of my PCs who's this little teenage gnome character that it, oh it was just a great time that sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> it oh, was, oh it papa was. deep mittens and the the best part was when his uh actual first name got revealed and it was murphy oh that's awesome papa murphy all right anyway number 11 <laughs> what was your favorite dungeon experience of 2017 so we're going back to the catacomb because i had the opportunity to play in what was I think like a beta testing of a dungeon that Aram Vartian from God's Fall was building ah, yeah. um, with Pat from producer Pat um, who helped him over at Neon Rivals and it was the weirdest and most fun thing ever it was <laughs> it was a very classic almost tomb of style tomb of horror style bad scenario but you were playing terrible characters Hmm. in that like i was a waiter (laughs) and like i just got magically transported to the game but the premise was like there were eight of us only four were playing at one time and every person had two characters so there's an there so you're dying regularly and then a new person is dropping in and then you're trying to get through the dungeon while that's happening and it was just a lot of fun i fell down a hole i died (laughs) of course you did but even but it was so much fun, like even just sitting at the table and watching because you're still as a collective unit wanting to survive. So even just sitting there watching it happen was so, so much fun. <laughs> that sounds awesome. For me, I had the unique opportunity to run a game for a couple of my students uh, actually just last night. And so I ran a dungeon, a pretty classic dungeon crawl for them. This was uh, three teenagers and one of um, my leaders as well was able to play. And it was basically the first time that 
any of these students had ever gotten to play D&D. And so it was it was definitely an interesting experience. It took a little while to get into the game. They all kind of jumped in with a Skyrim mentality of we can just do whatever we want and there are no consequences. And it kind of took a little bit of teaching to get them to really understand like how how to role play. But once they got to the dungeon, they were so in. I had set up a map on the table uh, with tiles and had covered it up with paper so that I could reveal a section at a time. And they were very into it. And they were also very scared the entire time (laughs) they were level four and they had only taken like six hit points of damage and they'd be like i need a potion i'm gonna die and i'm like you're fine stop being a baby (laughs) you don't need to waste that potion yet there'll be worse things later in the dungeon but we got to the end of the night and of course i don't know why i didn't see it coming we didn't nearly finish it and so it was all my students clamoring of we need to do this again we need to finish and so it was good it was a very Perfect. it was a it was a cool experience my first running a game for teenagers but it was a it was a great experience. Okay. Number 12, our last question. Our last question of Christmas. What are you looking forward to the most in 2018 from the BPPN? So I think we started with the toughest question and we're ending with probably the second closest if not again the toughest. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the cool things that I thought about was this, you know, and this is the fact of the matter is this is our fourth Christmas episode and we've yeah. not, we've been doing this for a while. So I'm actually really excited to see what stretching ourselves as creators to remain relevant and relatable to you guys as the listeners. I'm really excited to see what that does um, for us and the stuff that we can come out because of that, you know, because we need to keep coming up with ideas and topics that, help people and are like i said relevant and relatable so i'm pretty interested to see what crazy ideas we will come up Uh, and the other thing is you know mitch and i have been having a lot of discussions about getting back to what we think is the root of what we would want the dungeon masters block to be and that i mean to put it simply it's inspiration over information figuring out the things that inspire us to inspire you to just have more fun when you play this game rather than just giving you like just raw information that you essentially could just go Google yourself if you really wanted to. So I think that both of those things are what I'm most excited for. Yeah, agreed. We want people to walk away from every episode of the Dungeon Masters block with all these ideas in their heads. And I want people to walk away after listening to every episode going, I'm frustrated because I'll never get to DM all of those ideas. Yep. Like just like the review you read at the beginning. I want, uh, yep. Yep. I want every person to feel that way because that's how (laughs) we feel. So we just want you to feel, (laughs) feel that pain too. But I think there's a lot of truth in everything you said. I think that um, within pretty much every Christmas episode that we've done so far, we have had a clear, okay, well, this is this is obviously next. This is obviously next in what we at the Block Party Podcast Network, what we are trying to accomplish. And I believe it was year two with the DMB Christmas that that idea, that clear idea was – Block Party Podcast Network was the plan. We were going to do that. And then last year, it was very much things are in full swing, and we've got to kind of really figure out how 
it's going to swing and how we're going to do it. And I feel like this year, uh, we know how the swing is going and we're in full swing and we know what it is that we want to do and what we want to produce. And so now I think, like you said, Neil, our biggest focus going forward is keep the quality and even make the quality better. So that is that is definitely one of our goals. I'm looking forward to that as well. My answer, though, is that the thing that I'm most looking forward to with 2018 from the Block Party Podcast Network is Geek Wars Season 2. Yeah. Geek Wars Season 2 will be coming out hopefully early-ish 2018. Look for it. We'll tweet about it. It's going to be awesome. And there may be some surprises along the way as well. Well, with that, Neil, that brings us to the end of our 12 questions of Christmas. And with that, we are going to be shutting off the mic, shutting off the lights, closing it down here for this year as we look ahead, as we have said, to 2018 and all the great things uh, that are to come. Neil, if our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where can they do that at? You can always send us an email at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com about all of answering these questions and telling us what your answers are. The other thing you could definitely do is if you enjoyed this episode or maybe any of the other ones and wanted to leave us a five-star review, you could have head over to iTunes, Stitcher, your podcatcher of choice, and leave that review. And if it's not on iTunes or you're in a foreign country, definitely let us know so that we can more easily find that. Follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block or like us on Facebook. Both of those places are great places to go as the fact that tomorrow is Christmas and send us the awesome D&D swag, pictures of the great swag for D&D that you got this Christmas. We would love to see pictures of anything you got and how excited you are about it. We have a Patreon member shout out of the week and this week's Patreon member shout out goes to Russell White! Thank you so much, Russell White. Yes, Russell is a bronze dragon. So, Russell, we hope that you are enjoying the story times that are coming out and everything else uh, that you're able to experience at bronze dragon level. And we wish you a Merry Christmas. As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like The GM Showcase, Geek Wars, We're So Bad at Adventuring, and more. And that's it that we have for you for 2017 from the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all their people at the table. I'm Dungeon Master Neil. Good night and good luck. Merry Christmas and keep on Dungeon Mastering. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. Yes. I almost feel like we should have come up with special Christmas names for ourselves. I'm Stocking Stuffer Neil. All right. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. You have to come up with Christmas names for each other. So what is your name for me, uh, Neil? And I will give you a name. <laughs> this, is not, this is not nice, though. Cole Giver Mitch. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, and, and Powell the Blue-Nosed Reindeer. Oh. Perfect.
I don't know. I don't know where we're gonna go from here. That was that was awful. <laughs> I say we cut that whole thing and never talk about it. Oh, improv is so good all the time, every time. <laughs> <laughs>